money should not be the reason why couples separate. And then what happens is that the deeper issue is how are couples communicating around their money issues. This is episode 23 with certified financial planner, Mara Meinhofer. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast about love, sex, and identity in the modern world. I'm your host, Jared Matthew Weiss. Each week, I chat with an inspiring person that will help you expand your mind, open your heart, and give you one thing to think about on your journey towards great love. Thanks for hanging with me today. Here we go. Mae West once said, love conquers all things except poverty and toothache. Because while love is the energy that makes life meaningful, Money is the tool that makes life livable. And at the intersection of love and money comes a very important and often triggering conversation that when left undiscussed can make for a very challenging romantic ride. In fact, multiple studies have proven that fighting over money is the number one predictor for divorce in the United States. Ultimately, the relationship we cultivate with dollars and cents will have an existential impact on the relationships we cultivate with lovers and partners. That's why I wanted to chat with Mara Meinhofer, a certified financial planner who works with individuals and couples on an emerging practice called financial therapy. Financial therapy empowers people to bring a sense of mindfulness to their money and ultimately their lives. In this episode, we talk about how spenders and savers seem to always find each other, how our earliest childhood memories subconsciously steer our financial habits, the telltale signs of financial abuse, how to open our hearts to financially merge with a partner, and so much more. If there's ever been an episode I encourage everyone to listen to and share with the ones they love, this would be it. Mara's insights and candor are refreshing and inspiring. I'm so excited to share it with you now. Here we go. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about you, Mara, what you do, who you are? Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. So yes, my name is Mara Lise Meinhofer. I have been in finance for 20 years. I started when I was four years old, just don't tell anyone. (laughs) And I just became passionate at understanding human behavior and how come if people do have accessible all the tools around how to manage their numbers, how come the action was a little bit on the opposite side, right? You know what to do, but you end up doing something differently. So I started diving into the behaviors and emotions why is that happening and what did you find i opened the pandora box (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah money is definitely a pandora's box and and like you had shared something with me around divorce and money what was that that you shared yes in the united states unfortunately uh money problems are cited as the number one reason for divorce and i do find i am a romantic by heart and a lover and i do find that to be quite unfortunate because Money should not be the reason why couples separate. And then what happens is that the deeper issue is how are couples communicating around their money issues. Okay, so how are they communicating around their their money issues? It's like two people speaking a completely different language. You have one speaking Mandarin and the other one is speaking Portuguese. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, So, so, um, so can you tell us a little bit about your practice? I know we had talked about something that you, that you teach called financial therapy. Am I right? Yeah. 
Yes, that right. is correct. What is financial therapy? Because I know I need it. I'm sure a lot of us need it. What is financial <laughs> therapy? So financial therapy is actually a very recent field. It only started about seven years ago where you had financial planners and psychotherapists get together and realize there's something missing here. It's not just about crunching numbers. It's not just about therapy. We need to dive deeper into these issues. So the process that I work with with couples is I take them through a journey in which they can truly understand what are those invisible drivers behind their emotions, decisions, and behaviors around money? We open the Pandora box. Oh my God. And so what are the things that come up when you bring those things up? What comes up when you when you open that Pandora's box about money with a couple? What are some examples of things that you've heard? Well, the first thing that happens is that we tend to think that when we when we have opposing views that the other side is wrong. So couples come to me so I can convince their partner of whatever the other person wants to do. Right. <laughs> Which is quite interesting. And I tell them, no, there's no right or wrong here. You first need to understand each other. But the challenge when it comes to money is that sometimes we hardly understand ourselves. Wow. So what do you mean by that? We hardly understand ourselves. So what I mean by that is that 95% of our behaviors come from the subconscious. This is neuroscience speaking. I'm just quoting the experts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what that means is that 95% of the things that we do are an automatic pilot. And when it comes to money, when it comes to everything, you're doing things on automatic pilot. So if you want to understand why you make certain choices, then you need to understand what is driving the automatic pilot. Okay. And so what are the things that are driving the automatic pilots for the people that you see? So for the things that I see, everything is so incredibly tied to the way that you were raised and the experience that shaped your life. So for example, I can give you examples. I was working with the client and, and one of the challenges that she had was in her relationship Oh, the Pandora box exploded because she discovered that her partner was stealing money from her, right? He was taking the, her, um, her ATM card, her debit card, and he, and he was stealing money from her. And but when I dive deeper to understand where this was coming from, it was very clear for me to see, and she could see it. In, in her upbringing, her mother was always taking care of the partners that she was with. Right, So this just became a subconscious pattern that this lady was repeating. And it was very interesting because one of the things that I asked her, I said, okay, so what would an ideal situation look like for you in relationship with you know, sharing your expenses with a partner? How would that look like? And honestly, for me, I was, I was astonished that she said the best case scenario is if he can pay for some of his bills. Right? So she was not even able to dream, let's split them or let me be taken care of. Right? It's just, and that is just part of, our, of, of her conditioning. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so in that situation, um, what, what changes does she have to make in order to cultivate what she wants, I guess, economically in a romantic partnership? Yes. So the first step to change is awareness. Right. So I take my clients through a process in which we can dive really deep into understanding first what was stored in your subconscious. What were those memories that during your upbringing or not just your upbringing, but some life memories are quite impactful. Right. So let's understand them. Let's dissect them and let's forgive them. Wow. Okay. And so, and so what are some of the questions? Cause we were talking earlier about like the, the types of questions that you ask people, um, in order to 
uh, tap into that subconscious to figure out like what is our relationship to money and where does it start? What are some good questions for us to marinate on? Yeah, so some, some good questions to think about are, so what was your first experience with money? Your first memory with money? How old were you? How do you get the money? How do you use it? Another one that's, uh, that's very interesting is when was the first time you started working? Why did you start working? Was it because you wanted to work? Because your parents asked you to work? Did you make money? What do you do with that money? Wow. Okay. So, so you had referenced earlier that you were four years old when you started caring about money. <laughs> yes. So, uh, what, what was going on in your house? No, no, I'm, I'm joking. I, 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 <laughs> so it's very interesting. So my story, the reason that I do this work is because I've always been very good with my money. And when I looked around my, my crew and my friends, they were not. So I started diving into understanding my own subconscious and my own story. Why am I good with money and the people around me are not? And it boils down very quickly, just I'm going to use myself as an illustration. So the first thing, I love numbers. So by loving numbers, I played with my money, I counted my money, and counting my money led me to the habit of being very aware of where my money was going. When you're super aware of where your money is going, it's harder to waste and it's easier to save. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, but so were your so you talk a lot about spenders and savers. You also, I, I know in in our previous conversations, you've referenced that uh, spenders and savers tend to find each other. Oh my god. Uh, okay. So, so it sounds like you're a saver. Yes. Okay. How is that? Is that like if we go into your subconscious, we go into your childhood memories? Like, are you the child of savers? Like, what did you witness at home that that you know? got you here. So what was very interesting for me, the memory that really started shaping things was the first time, was actually the first time that I made money. And I remember very clearly the first time that I made money, I made $36. I was nine years old. I had no clue what to do with this money. So I went with my mother to the supermarket and I was like, I, this, is, this, this money is burning. I need to spend it. That's how I felt. So I remember very clearly I bought these chocolate puddings and they were so bad that I regretted so much. I was like, I just wasted money. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the first habit that led me to be aware of where I put my money. So I am a spender. I love enjoying money, but I like making conscious decisions instead of impulsive decisions. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so when you work with couples, let's talk a little bit about spenders versus savers. Yes. Um, what does that dynamic look like? And like, if a couple comes to you and one is a spender and one is a saver, and is that the norm that usually these opposites attract? <laughs> or do you ever, is it like, what, what do you find in your work? Do, are spenders better together and savers better together? <laughs> like, what is a, you know, I love, I think these are fascinating terms. You know, I, I think that yes. like, um, it gives us a, a language to talk about these things that I think is really, really important. So yes. talk to me about spenders and savers and how they can, how they can, who, who goes best with who and how do they work well together? <laughs> Absolutely. We're in reality, right? There are some common themes and the common themes, what I've seen in my line of work is spenders and savers attract. Spenders and savers attract and there's a push and pull between them, right? And, and But what is interesting because I have seen it so often, I have the tools to help them communicate around it in, in, in effective ways. But then the magic happens when we dive deep into the story 
to understand why are you a spender and why are you a saver because they come from different places. Does that make sense? We need to go through the, to the root so that then we can give um, some customized advice, for example. Sure. So let's say we do identify for all the reasons that a spender is a spender and a saver is a saver and they find each other and they come to you and they're having real money issues, right? Yes. There's real there's real resistance or tension within their partnership and it's rooted in money. So what do we yes. do? So I'm going to give you an example of one of the couples that I work with in New York City. So she was a spender and he is a saver, right? So she he he would not understand Can what Can you quantify those terms? Like what is like is a spender somebody who just like like spends more than they have and a saver is somebody who's just packing it away and saving for a rainy day like what do we how do we quantify the difference between the two the spectrum is quite broad right and it wouldn't be responsible for me to just put it into one category but some of the common themes that i that i have seen a spender is someone that lives for the day is not keeping track of their money they use their money emotionally or uh, impulsively and Usually they experience buyer's remorse, right? So I go crazy and I buy this because I'm stressed today, but then tomorrow I regret it that I buy it, right? And then on the other opposite stream, you have people that are savers, but, since, but then sometimes savers can go to the extreme in which they're counting every single penny and they're not enjoying life, right? So each of those extremes are not healthy. And then when you have them together, it's a recipe for... Not disaster, but for divorce. Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like it's a recipe for divorce. Yes, it's, it's, okay, so so but so then it sounds like in the ideal circumstance, we would all be a well balanced spender saver. So yes. So what we do, so in the work that I do, is because at the end of the day, we, we don't change overnight, right? And we're we are a result of our experiences. So it's. I guide them through a process, and this is something that you can do by yourself. Is how do you make decisions together? Right, and then the first question that I invite couples to ask when they when they start to have this conversation is, instead of starting pointing fingers and accusing you you're spending too much or you're spending too little, little, let's speak about what do we want to build together. Mm. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Love that. So so um, so if we get to that point where it's like, what do we want to build together? Um, and there are disagreements around how to build it, right? Because yes. money is a tool, and how are we going to use this tool? Um, how do we how do we bridge that gap? How do we navigate that dynamic? Well, it is it's not an easy journey, and it's exactly the same as you would navigate any of the other uh, any of the other decisions that you take in relationship with someone, right? You need to have an open heart, a willingness to listen understanding and it's not always going to be your way. Oh my God, Mara, you're like the best. This is amazing. You know, I love the level of sensitivity and consciousness you're, you're bringing to the money conversation. Um, I think it's really, really important. And uh, I know that money was a major issue in my household growing up. It's been an issue in many of my relationships. You know, I moved to New York. I've been a you know an artist who's trying to find his way, um, which is not always like the best for like my partners who have always been more much more mainstream and they've had like regular jobs and went to college. Um, and so, you know, and so I think that this is just, you know, it's, it's such an important conversation. So, um, so, uh, another issue that you talk about is this concept of financial abuse. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that like, you know, so often like the idea of somebody making more money than another person can be, can, can serve as like a little bit of a cancer if it goes unaddressed in a really conscious way. And so talk to me about financial abuse and what's that, what that looks like, because I feel like many of us have probably after you, you, you know, extrapolate on that a bit, um, have found ourselves on one side or the other of that dynamic. So what is financial abuse? Talk to us about that. Yes, absolutely. So financial abuse is the dynamic that happens when someone tries to use money to control, right? When someone uses money as a source of power. And this is something that we can see in relationships. And like you said, it is, it is, it's a high probability that each of us can somehow identify with this scenario. And it goes from very subtle until the point where it's extremely controlling and then it leads to domestic abuse, right? So let's start in the, in the lower end of things, right? So in the lower end of, end of things, so it can manifest, for example, by someone just staying in a relationship because we're sharing the rent, because we're splitting the rent, and I live in New York City and I cannot pay the rent by myself, so then you have one person, that's not the financial abuser because that person is not using money to control, but money is the reason that is ticking them. That person is staying in the relationship because they need help paying the rent. But on the flip side, you can have the other person knowing that you are here because you don't have any money and I'm gonna keep it that way. Right. Uh, so, have you ever been in a dynamic like that? Uh, <laughs> sort of. Okay. Yes. So, what does that feel like? So, you know what? No. Let me be. Let Let me take it a step back. Okay. I thought I was, but then when I dove deeper, I realized that I wasn't. And let me let me expand a little bit of that because I think is is very useful. So, sometimes um, I'm going to speak for myself and for some of the uh, you know for some of the audience. I know it's going to they're going to get identified with this. Sometimes. Um, when you're very driven, sometimes, and, and sometimes this tends to happen often in women, you don't want to feel controlled. And you feel like, I want to be in this relationship, but I don't want to feel controlled. And then if you have, which is, this was my case, I had a partner in which he was very well financially speaking, I thought that he was trying to control me. And let me give you an example. So one day he came and he said, I, I'm gonna give you your own credit card. I was like, what? Yeah, so you can have fun with your girlfriends and you can go out and you can buy clothes. I was like, I don't need a credit card. I don't need a credit card from you. How I old were you? How old I was? I was, I was 35, so okay. I should have known better, but, okay. <laughs> but I didn't. How long were the two of you together? On and off for seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Um, so then what happened is the moment he offered that, I took it as an offense. I was offended because I am independent. I have my own money. I'm a strong woman. I don't need anything from you. Well, what was his... What, what, what was his intention? So that's the thing. So then when I started unpacking that and I immediately said, no, I'm speaking with my girlfriends and my girlfriends are saying, oh my God, Mara, that's how men control women because you know what happens? Then they start checking the bank, the bank statements and they know where you were, at what time, which restaurants you were visiting. I was like, oh my God, I so don't want this. That relationship ended. I said I for other reasons, but long story short, I... I this impacted me so much that I work with a mentor that specializes in financial therapy. And this is one of the reasons that I dived into this work. And the big question that she asked me was, was he trying to get something from you in return? And in my case, I was like, no, he wasn't. And then she shared, then that was an expression of love. 
Wow. Wait. So you just felt like it was, you were, you felt like it was financial abuse, but it turns out it was just an expression of love. Yes. Not so much financial abuse, but fi- financial abuse is when money is used as a sort as, as a source of to control to the extreme. In this case, I thought he was using money to control me. Why did you think that? Because of my conditioning. It had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with my conditioning because I was raised by parents who always told me, do not depend on a man. Right. I think that it's interesting. I think it's always been very hard for me to accept financial gifts. There you go. Um, I think that um, that's a, like a triggering thing for me. And I think it, it can be for a lot of people. And so how do we decipher the difference between you know, a gift with love and financial abuse? Because sometimes it's not so clear. In your case, that's a, you know, a, a prime example. So how do we navigate that? So first of all, we have to open our container to receive. You know, whenever you feel uncomfortable when someone is giving you a gift, start looking at yourself, right? Is this something that happens often? Is the common denominator you, right? Is this, has there been many people throughout your life trying to give you something and you feel uncomfortable every single time? Yeah, right. <laughs> then, you know, mm-hmm. it's more about you. So we always start with the self, right? <laughs> okay. All right. So, so, um, so what are... What are some things, I guess, that that you've learned about um, not not necessarily being in a relationship, but prior to being in a relationship? How do we how do we start doing the work on ourselves? How do we start doing this financial therapy as a as an individual, so that if we do step into a partnership, that we're prepared for it? That's the first question. And the second question is. What questions do we ask the person that we're possibly dating to find out if they're, <laughs> they can meet us? Right. These are wonderful questions. Yeah. I love it. I love how you present it because the way you present it is how you start with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. How do you get yourself ready for when that relationship comes then having those conversations? So the first thing you need to do is look within and have the money talk with yourself. Money is icky, we avoid it, it's shameful, it's heavy. So just start dealing with yourself and start looking at your numbers and start making the choice of using money as a tool to build the life that you want, right? Does that make sense? So you you start with yourself. What do I want money for? And you have to start looking into your numbers. There's okay. no way. Around yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Okay, and then and then, but the relationship piece, like you had mentioned, like some of the questions around, like asking yourself, um, what was your first interaction with money? Um, are there any other questions that you think would be a good thing for for people to take away from this that they should be marinating on? Yes, absolutely. So very important. When you enter into a relationship with someone the money conversation progresses over time, right? You're not going to have that first day and ask, how is your credit score? <clears throat> how much credit card debt do you have, right? right? Like you don't do those things. But what you can start when you start in a relationship, you start looking and you start noticing. Are they working? Are they not working? Are they overspending? And these are things that you can see with your eyes without having to ask questions. And then as the, re- as the relationship progresses, then the money conversation progresses over time 
in an ideal situation, let's assume the scenario in which two people have decided that they want to build a life together. If you're already in that stage, which can be defined by just making the commitment one to each other, we want to build a life together or getting engaged or moving together. There's different things that can signal this type of commitment. Then that is the time to start talking about what do we want to build together and how are we going to pay the bills? Wow. Okay. So then, you know, I guess then the 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 next question is around how do we how do we talk about money without making people feel like super uncomfortable? Because I think that, you know, I can imagine, you know, the the idea of, you know, people liking somebody or feeling like people only like a person because they have money or not liking a person because they don't have money or do you know what I mean? It's like a very, it's a, it's, it really is very triggering similarly to talking about sexuality and intimacy. And, and so what are some ways to have that conversation? Have you, you know, do you have any sort of tips or tools to, to, to (laughs) break the ice? So the first thing to know is that it is uncomfortable. There's no way around that. It is uncomfortable and just be mindful that you are going to be as uncomfortable as your partner. <laughs> yeah. So understand that you're going to start navigating murky waters. It's like making the decisions. Do we want to have an open relationship? Do we want to have kids? These conversations are not easy, right? But you put yourself in a situation which let's have this conversation. So there are some like sort of tips and tricks, right? When you, to have these conversations and, you know, it's like set a date and time. Right, then just show up after work, but one of you may be super stressed and let's have this money talk, right? It's just, I would love, you know, I would love for us to start talking about how we want to design your li- our life and how we can support each other financially. Why don't we speak about it on Sunday morning? We go over coffee at home or somewhere and let's start talking about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's, you have to create the space, both in terms of how you feel within and the location and time that you're choosing. Wow. Okay. So now, um, how do people normally work with you? I know that you had said that you have an online course. You also do like private, like one-on-ones where you work with clients individually and, and you know, where is the best place to start with financial therapy as an individual or as a, as a couple? Yes, absolutely. So the work that I do is I recognize there's two sides of money. First, the emotional one that we have uh, talked about a little bit, and then the crunching numbers, one goes with the other. So what I do, I work with people in two capacities. I work with them one-on-one, either with people individual or I work with couples. Um, The work with couples is very beautiful because I take them through a process, I coach them and I guide them to have this difficult conversation and I am the moderator, so to speak. Right. So sometimes when couples come to me and they say, you know, we want to get married, but we just don't know how to talk about it. We've tried so hard. Can you help us? Then I am the moderator and I facilitate the conversation and the agreements and the questions. And they end up with a financial plan together that they build together. Okay. So that's one of the ways to work with me is one on one. And then I also have online courses. But the online courses are not um, designed for couples. They are designed for you to take them yourself. One of them is related around mindset. It's called Uncover Your Money Story. And uh, people can find it at uncoveryourmoneystory.com. And it is the exercise of opening the Pandora box and truly understanding your behaviors and your and your emotions around money. What couples can do, they can, each of them, because it's something that I've recommended, they do the course and then they share the results, the findings with each other. Wow. Okay. 
My God. I mean, this has just been like, honestly, uh, 25 of the most insightful uh, minutes of my life. Um, <laughs> I think that we've, we've definitely covered a lot. Um, this is, uh, I think that as, as we, as we close this, um, what is really like, if, if you had any, any books or any websites or any blogs or anything that you would recommend people read or, or to, you know, to look for more information, are there any other, you know, are there TED talks or there, is there anything Mm -hmm. that you would recommend, uh, if people just in a lightweight way want to start their journey towards, you know, financially, therapeutically, (laughs) you know, uh, healing themselves and, 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 uh, and supporting their, their growth. Absolutely. So there are two books that have definitely shaped my beliefs and I I find that they're very beautiful and inspiring yet practical. One of them is by Marianne Williamson and the name is The Law, I think it's The Law of Divine Compensation. And it is an approach to money that is sort of spiritual without it being new agey or woo woo or out there. It's very practical but it comes from a place of love, but very, very practical because wow. at the end we need tools. Okay. I don't was not just, familiar with that book. Yes. Yeah, so I did like, not know she wrote a book about divine compensation. Oh, it's beautiful. Okay. So it's like, don't just inspire me, give me tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. The Love of Divine Compensation by Marion Williams, Williamson. And then there's a beautiful book by my mentor and it's called, oh my God, I hope I remember the name correctly, The Heart of Money. And the author is Deborah Price. And that is a book for couples. Wow. Okay. Oh my God. Uh, Mara, thank you so much. This has been such an unbelievably insightful conversation and I can't wait to share it with everyone. My pleasure. Thank you. Here we go. Thank you for listening to Touchpoint. You can learn more about us at lovetouchpoint.com and follow us on Instagram at, at lovetouchpoint. Have an inspired day and we'll see you next week.